Hi, this is Oren. If you find these teachings useful and you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me online at orenjsofer.com or on social media at orenjsofer. Thanks so much. <clears throat> so metta retreats, metta practice can... Uh, can sometimes feel like a workout for the heart. And as anyone who's ever worked out knows, uh, you get sore. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that often happens is as we learn to incline the heart towards kindness, as we cultivate this, uh, this orientation to life and to experience, we start to open up other areas of our heart that we might not have been in touch with, that we might not have felt, um, or that we have felt and we feel um, more vividly than before. Uh, Places that surprise us, that frighten us, that scare us, uh, that overwhelm us, that confuse us. Um, So we find that we're trying to practice unconditional friendliness and goodwill, uh, and we notice uh, the opposite coming up, a lot of ill will, a lot of aversion or hostility. Or maybe we notice that the more subtle miss where we're recognizing that we're really needing the person to be a certain way. We're needing them to be happy. We're needing them to be healthy, to be well in some way. Or I was talking with some person with someone this morning about needing for their child to be safe. And that difference between metta, which has equanimity in it, It has the wisdom that recognizes, I can't keep you safe, right? But I can still wish for you that you have safety, internally, if not externally. And there can be wounds that come up, places of pain in ourself and others. Uh, Anger, sometimes very strong anger can come up, which can surprise us. Um, and so it's, it's important, it's helpful to have both uh, a frame to understand all of these different experiences uh, as well as a way of meeting them. For example, with anger, we can recognize that uh, anger is a very healthy, natural response of the human organism to protect itself. It's, it's wired in us when we feel threatened. Anger comes to our rescue to make sure that we stay safe or that the ones we care for stay safe. Yeah. And so rather than demonizing our anger, um, we can honor it and recognize that it's there to serve a purpose. But then we recognize that it's a dangerous energy. It's like fire. You can do a lot of good with fire and you can do a lot of harm with fire, right? If it gets out of control. Same thing with anger. When it's channeled, when that self-protective energy, there's a lot of strength in anger. 
can do a lot of good, or it can do a lot of work if you channel that energy. But, but we have to be in touch with its intention to protect rather than its intention to destroy, right? And work through all of the complexities that we may have culturally or in terms of our gender or our personality around anger that we've each kind of accrued in life. And today I wanted to talk about this, this uh, second Brahma-vihara of compassion and how we can practice it in a formal way um, when we hit these pockets of pain or difficulty in the practice and in our life, in ourself and in others. So that as we, as we encounter the vulnerability, uh, we can learn to find strength within it. So, when there's something painful or unpleasant, we have certain conditioned responses. Um, we fall in a couple of different categories or a few different categories. One is anger. Something unpleasant happens and we lash out. There's that attacking energy, make it go away. The, the opposite response is the fear response, to pull away, to try to get away from it, to feel frightened by it. Um, and then sometimes, those are the two most common, sometimes we just get bewildered, just confused, we fog out. Uh, sometimes we go chasing after something pleasant to replace it. You know, get, me, get me something good to feel, something good to think, something good to touch, to taste to get away from the unpleasant thing. Compassion, so mindfulness, loving kindness, all of these these powers of practice are protections and other ways to meet experience. And compassion, rather than being angry at or running away from pain, compassion embraces pain. Compassion has the capacity to turn towards and hold difficulty or pain and that's ennobling it's often said that there are two wings to this path wisdom and compassion wisdom helps us to see clearly and compassion brings our heart into balance in relation to things when i was uh, when i was 19 i went to india to start studying and practicing buddhism and I was in a relationship at the time, kind of probably my first real real love in life, kind of college romance. And uh, so you know, I went away for six months, long time. And uh, within the first couple weeks, this was, this was before email was, was really a thing, uh, certainly not in Budgaya, India. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, just sending aerograms through the mail and, um, I was really, really missing the woman I was I was dating, and uh, I hadn't experienced it before that kind of longing and pain. And you know, looking back, it's it's uh, it doesn't seem so such a big deal, right? But in the moment, for nineteen, it was a big deal. I was I was struggling, and I went to see one of our meditation teachers, this uh, wonderful man by the name of Godwin Samararatne. 
and I told him what was happening and that I was in pain. We were sitting across from one another and he said, he said, oh, oh, where do you feel, where do you feel, where does it hurt? So he said, where does it hurt? And I put my hand here on my heart and then I felt it, actually, actually felt the pain and it hurt and a few tears came and then it passed. And as that happened, as I felt it, he was right there with me, you know, just kind of in empathy, just sort of, oh, sort of looking at me with very caring eyes, oh. And as it faded, I was amazed. I thought he had done something magical. I was like, wow, this guy's, he's got some powers. He just took my pain away, that's amazing. I didn't realize that it was just, it was just the compassion, just being able to hold and feel it, actually experience it, and then its nature, it, it moved on, it dissolved on its own. This is the power of compassion. So, as with the metta practice, we build up the strength. So, we don't start metta practice with the difficult person. We start with something easy, a benefactor, ourself, with compassion practice. We don't start trying to have compassion for the most painful thing in our life. That would not be helpful, and it might be even harmful. The idea here is that we're trying to learn a skill. When you're trying to learn to swim, you don't jump in the ocean on a stormy day. You go in the shallow end of the pool. If you're training for a marathon, you don't start by running 27 miles. You start jogging one mile, two miles. You build up to it, right? Same principle here. So when we're learning compassion practice, we start with something that's manageable. We take uh, an object, which is someone who's suffering in some way, someone who's in pain, that we care for, that it's very easy to feel compassion for them. It's not the worst thing in their life. It's not someone who, it, it, it tears us up inside that they're in pain. We build up to that. And when we offer compassion to ourselves, when we're learning it for, in the same way, we find something that, that is you know, difficult for us, painful for us, but it's not the most painful thing. When we do compassion practice, um, balance is key, even more important than with metta practice. Because with compassion practice, um, the tendency is to fall to one side or another. Either we fall into the suffering, into grief, overwhelm, and we sink in it, right? That's one side. The other side we tend to fall into is an indifference. A kind of like, well, not my problem. You know, not going to feel or numbing out or zoning out. Then there's subtleties. We start to see the difference between compassion and pity. Compassion, we're right there with the person. There's not so much separation. With pity, there's that distance. Oh, so terrible, you know? Poor you. And I'm somehow up above or separate that, you know, this is not my problem, but yes, yes, you'll be okay. I'm sorry for you. Pat on the head kind of thing. So finding balance with it. 
And then as we, as we strengthen, as we grow in compassion, it becomes um, uh, a tool that we can use with anything. The heart grows stronger, we can hold anything. There's, you know, the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows, as it's said. There's great pain in this world, great pain in each of our lives in different ways. And, and we can strengthen and stretch the heart to be able to hold, hold it all. It's said that compassion is like, it's like that embrace. It's something that's able to hold, like a hug can hold the pain. One of the ways that I like to conceptualize it is that we bring our, our compassionate awareness to the edge of the pain, not in the center, to just to just the edge. So on one side, it's okay. You can feel a reference point outside of the difficulty. Your body, sound, your breath, space around you. And then on the other side of that boundary is, is the difficult part, the pain. Where does it hurt? You know. And then you just hang out there at that place with, with, with phrases. We use phrases with compassion, and I'll offer some phrases, and we'll post some on the board. And this, it's the intention to care. And that through our caring, you know, may this, may this ease. May this difficulty, may this pain ease. Another word that I like for compassion is tenderness. It's a tender heart. So may I hold this pain with tenderness. May you hold this pain with tenderness. That, that ability to care and be present with, with a desire for it to ease. Compassion is the movement of the heart to ease suffering. The root of the word is connected to the root for action, for acting. It's an active energy. How can I help? May you, you know, may this be okay. What can I do? There's that really being there with it. I want to give you two more two more images or mantras and then we'll do the practice together and then we'll have some time for questions. One again this first one of my first teachers Godwin one of the things he he used to say a lot um, this beautiful tall Sri Lankan man and uh, in his South Asian lilt of, of British English which I won't try to imitate um, he's, he would say sometimes when I don't feel so good, I like to say to myself in a very gentle way, it's okay to not feel okay. Hmm? It's okay to not feel okay. It's just that simplicity, the arms around the pain, it's okay to not feel okay. And Deepama put it this way to Joseph. Deepama, who's one of the great yogis, a Bengali woman. Um, her mantra was just, it's okay. Just that, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So that can be a compassion phrase, just the simplicity of that. So we'll start with someone else calling up their image, someone in your life who has something difficult going on, not the most difficult thing. And you'll see their image, connect with the sense of them. 
and then I'll offer some phrases. And the same as the metta practice, it's just one phrase with the intention of caring. That intention, you know, may this suffering ease, may this pain ease, may you find peace with this. We'll do that for a little while, and then we'll shift to ourself, offering compassion to ourself. So if you're not already sitting comfortably, taking some time to connect with the body. This beautiful image that Jill offered of sitting like a mountain, stable and strong, upright and at ease. connecting with your own well-being in this moment. Physical or mental. Or if there's not some sense of well-being, then maybe just a sense of a neutralness, looking for that place that's just kind of okay. support of the ground, the steadiness of the breath. perhaps connecting with the heart center. And just feeling this sensitive, receptive quality of embodiment that's called a heart. Regarding oneself with a sense of care, warmth, if that's accessible. I invite you now to call up the image or the sense of someone in your life who's having some difficulty or suffering. See if you can see their face or have a sense of them here with you, maybe sitting in front of you, certain distance that feels comfortable, perhaps beside you. And then from your heart to theirs, just offering a simple wish. 
May you hold this pain with tenderness. May your suffering be eased. May you hold this pain with tenderness. May your suffering be eased. Extending your caring from your heart to theirs as if you were taking their hand in yours, looking them in the eye, just with that sense of, I wish you well in this. May you find tenderness with this pain. May your suffering be eased. Staying balanced, noticing the tendency to either pull away or sink into it. Can you find that place at the edge in the middle where you're still grounded in yourself? and in contact with the truth of their experience. I see your pain. I care about this pain. May this pain release May you know peace. I see your pain. I care about your pain. May this pain release. May you know ease. Repeating phrases that work for you. I'll offer these again. You can use them or choose your own. May you hold this pain with tenderness. May your suffering be eased. I see your pain. I care about this pain. May this pain release. May you know peace.
silently offering the phrases. You may like to put your hand on your heart. Perhaps one hand on the belly or touching the ground to stay balanced. May you hold this pain with tenderness. May this suffering be eased. If tears come, let them come. They're welcome. care to stay balanced, noticing if you get pulled in, falling into the pain, being overwhelmed. We lose compassion. Then we pull back. We come back to the body, to the breath. Come back to sound, the space around us. Recognizing that it doesn't serve us or them to be overwhelmed.
So if you like, when you're ready, letting their image dissolve. Coming back to just feeling yourself sitting here. And turning the attention now to oneself. Some manageable place of difficulty or struggle. And offering this tenderness to yourself. the embrace of compassionate awareness. May I hold this pain with tenderness. May this suffering be eased. gathering the attention, offering this caring with each phrase. May I hold this pain with tenderness. May this suffering be eased. I'm aware of this pain. I care about this pain. May this pain release. May I know peace. I'm aware of this pain. care about this pain. May this pain release. May I know peace. Or even just the very simple, steady, It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Choosing a phrase or finding your own that conveys that sense of presence and tenderness, balanced caring for the suffering with the wish that it may be eased, that it be held tenderly.
is the heart balanced, present, in contact, but not overwhelmed. Approaching, touching, not pulled back. Finding the right distance, metaphorically speaking, that allows you to meet and hold the suffering or sadness or fear or pain with caring. takes great courage and strength to turn towards difficulty, to turn towards pain. So we strengthen the heart just one moment at a time. May I hold this hurt with tenderness. May this suffering be eased. When you're ready, allowing this, the awareness of this difficulty or pain to begin to dissolve and fade. Bringing your awareness back into just the sensations of sitting, feeling the body here in this room
healing the breath. Not allowing any residual uh, emotional tone or flavor to just have space. Perhaps shifting back to metta, if that feels supportive. May I be well, happy, healthy, live with ease. One of the keys to compassion practice is that our other habitual responses of fear or anger or shame uh, in response to pain often make it worse. And the compassion practice has that capacity to just meet and hold it, to not add extra suffering on top. So are there any uh, questions about the, the compassion practice. This is something that you can do um, the, the, these next few days that we're still here together. If something really challenging comes up in the sitting or the walking, you can shift from metta to compassion practice, giving this kind of steady, compassionate attention to the difficulty, to the pain, even if it's like a body pain, just bringing compassion to the actual physical pain or to an emotional pain. And I want to reiterate um, what we've said in the small groups and that we've mentioned maybe here in the hall that uh, it's really okay to uh, let the tears flow here in this room. We were joking about, uh, we, can, we, can, we can cry for you if you want. We can, we'll just let it go, no problem. Uh, many, many tears have been shed. So it's really okay. And there's a culture of the silence and the respect. But, you know, when you cry, you cry for all of us. So it's, uh, it's welcome. Yeah, Tracy. Um, I actually found it easier to offer myself and the other person this compassion practice mm-hmm. um, than the metta. Mm-hmm. There was a, a reason to offer it, like the pain. It was really easy to connect with the pain. But if the pain isn't there, if I'm just trying to offer metta, Mm-hmm. A little less, maybe genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if I should just keep going with that or try to insert compassion practices, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of not clear. 
Yeah. So um, she's saying that uh, found it easier to connect with the compassion because there's a pain that's actually present. So the heart responds more naturally, whereas with the metta, it's like there's nothing to respond to, so it's feeling harder to make it genuine. Um, I would I would say um, since you're since you're connecting with the compassion practice, it definitely takes some time to do that just in and of itself while you're here. You could take like one period a day, longer if you like, and just do the compassion practice and let that strengthen. And I would still encourage you to continue with the metta practice. Um, and uh, again, as we've been saying, it's not about experiencing the feeling of metta. It's more strengthening the intention towards goodwill. And that will show up in your life in unexpected ways. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm what I'm hearing uh, is that the comment was when when offering a phrase to the other person, may you hold this with tenderness. It felt like a little bit controlling, like like one is trying to define their experience for them versus in oneself. Just may I hold this pain with tenderness. That felt much more authentic. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting place. And the desire for respect, you know, and, and wanting the person to be able to have their own experience, right? Um, the, those words might not be the right words for you. I, for me, I think the distinction in my understanding is that when I'm saying, may I hold this pain, i.e. your pain with tenderness, I'm working on my own relationship to what you're going through, which is useful, and helpful, right? Because if I'm reactive to your pain, I'm not going to be much support to you, certainly, and it's going to be difficult for me. So that is a useful practice, but it's still not having compassion for that person, specifically. May I hold this pain with tenderness is about how I'm relating to your pain, in, in, in how I'm hearing what you're saying, at least. So it's the wish for the other person to not suffer. It's basically saying, look, this is hard, you know? I hope, you, I hope you're able to find a way of being in this that's not difficult. You know, it's like some, one of the things that I, I like to, that I, I will say, you know, when someone's having a hard time, it's like, may there be a lot of space around this, you know? Because it's like, we can't say like, I hope it gets better. Sometimes it's like, I hope it gets better. It's like, well, it's not going to get better, whatever this thing is, you know? So it's like, whatever your experience is, just... I, w- I hope you can be gentle with it. May you be gentle with yourself. Or... So it's more of the wish that they, 
not complicate the experience with more suffering mentally and that whatever physical suffering there is, that that can be eased and released. And again, it's this distinction, the same distinction in the metta practice. It's the difference between I'm saying or offering this because I'm expecting, wanting, or intending a specific outcome. May you be happy. May your suffering be eased. Versus this is just my genuine wish for you. In the same way that we say like, you know, have a great trip or have a great honeymoon or, yeah, is that helpful? Okay, thanks. Yeah, great, great, yeah, yeah. The comment was, um, the, 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 the words that were coming were, I am with you, I am with you. Beautiful compassion phrase, you know, use it. If that conveys the essence of that meaning of the caring presence with the wish that it be eased, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. But like, yeah. My, I might even do it non-verbally. Yeah. 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 Again, there's a, there's an interest for me in that, similar to the to the previous c- comment of like, I am with you, and like, in that in that, what am I wanting for you in your experience? You know. Like, am I, am, is there that wish that it, it be alleviated for you? So the, the energy of compassion, this karuna, has that action in it too. So the example I gave in one of the groups um, was uh, like you're at a grocery store and you see a young child who's scared looking around, like they've lost their parent or the person they're with, right? And we come up to them and we're like, hey, are you lost? Is everything okay? Right? So it's not just I'm with you, but it's also like, I want you to be like, what do you need? Come, let's help. Let's make it okay. Like, I'm, I'm here with you. Is that? You're saying to be useful. Yeah. In some way. Yeah, there's, being there. yeah. yes. Yeah, there's the, 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 the energy. That's the energy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking that with actual pain, mm-hmm. what is useful is not so clear. Right. And so just being with. Yes. Acceptance. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. With actual pain, that sometimes what's most useful is just the presence, just the being with. Yeah, I would agree with that absolutely. Yeah, here and then back. This practice feels really useful for just for my own practice during mindfulness or Mm-hmm. And I'm finding certain things that are coming up that have been difficult to to hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is that okay? I mean, can I can I use this frequently <laughs> in a mindfulness sure. practice, or are yeah. there times to just be with uh-huh. and without these phrases? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the, the comment was finding that, like, oh wow, this is a really good tool for mind for mindfulness practice for vipassana, and like, there are places that she hasn't been able to hold before that, like, oh wow, now I can I can actually 
bring something to hold, but is that okay? Like how much to, to be doing active compassion practice versus being with, with the mindfulness? Um, <clears throat> it's, it's one of those things, it's, compassion is always useful. It's never like, no, no, don't feel compassion for yourself, <laughs> right? Um, what you do with your attention whether you're formally kind of like reciting phrases versus investigating or being with the experience in a more, um, uh, we could say like bare attention way is, is some of the art of practice. So um, the way I hold it in my practice is um, if I'm doing Vipassana practice, uh, Number one, the Vipassana itself, the insight practice, the mindfulness practice is already infused with kindness and compassion. The awareness has that quality of caring in it. It's not separate. Like Deepama said, when we're, when we're loving, aren't we also aware? When we're aware, aren't we also loving? Yeah. And when something becomes too strong, when the equanimity factor drops and I'm not able to stay with it in a balanced way, that's when I'll switch to compassion. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. the gesture of the hand on the heart. I just want to just comment on that, just the story of someone receiving a pain, receiving your pain and putting their hand on their heart, and that was the release for you. It was just very similar to the story I told with Godwin, right? And, and what I want to say about that in terms of these practices is that um, these are techniques, right? We are consciously, intentionally directing the mind in a certain way, calling up a certain phrase, Right? that's a method whose intention is to strengthen a certain quality. The actual expression and manifestation of that quality can take a lot of different forms. I'm with you, hand on the heart, a hug, an expression. So it's not that somehow, you know, those other things, those are the natural expression of of this energy. And this this is a form to actively cultivate the energy so that it becomes stronger in us and so that it becomes a resource when we're met with difficulty or suffering. Yeah. Yeah, or was there a question? Yeah. 
It's a wonderful, yeah, it's a wonderful point you make that we can have shame around the places that we struggle. It's, it's very true, especially given our culture. And that what a relief to remember that it's okay to not feel okay. In the, in the back, yeah. You, yeah. I found it okay to hold my pain in maybe the person that I picked to hold their pain, I felt like I wanted to fix their pain, or So I'll just repeat. I'll just repeat. Uh, the comment was uh, holding um, this person's own pain felt okay, but when offering the tenderness to someone else, uh, they were noticing like wanting to fix the person's pain or get involved and take care of it, or wondering, oh, did I do something to cause that? And maybe I need to address it in some way. Um, so. Yes, all of that is uh, part of um, learning about compassion in the sense that sometimes um, certain reflections might arise. We might have insights or recognize. We consider something, we're bringing compassion to it, and all of a sudden we go, oh, you know, I said that thing to them last year, and that probably wasn't helpful. God, I have to, I got to say something to them. I got to clear that up. And so there's some insight that arises. And then the practice is just, you just go, okay, great, yeah. File it away, just make a mental note. Come back to the compassion. Or then you notice the desire to fix it. You know, because we're maybe uncomfortable with the pain in some way. So we want to take care of it or strategize around it. That's not compassion, right? So we, uh, Well, it depends on where it's coming from, right? So what we're trying to do is to have the mind just be able to be balanced in the face of the pain and have, the, and have that wish for its ease and the availability to help. But so often that desire to fix is coming from our own discomfort, from our own inability to, to stay with the discomfort or the pain of, of another. Yeah. So these are, these, are the, these are the things that get illuminated by compassion practice. 
in the same way that when we do metta practice, what gets illuminated are the things that are not metta, whether, whether it's um, attachment or ill will or, or all these other flavors. In the same way with the compassion, we, we notice pity, grief, fixing the other strategies, pulling away, blaming the other person that come up. So the practice is to just see that and come back to the intention and the phrase, trying to help the mind connect with what is it like to just have the presence and the caring, the desire that the pain be eased. Okay, so um, we need to stop here for some walking and, uh, and groups. Uh, so as I said, you can, you can fold this in to your metta practice, either in a formal way, something difficult comes up and it's, you're not able to just let it go and come back to the metta, you can turn towards it with compassion or just by bringing the flavor of compassion into the metta sometimes if it's needed. And we'll put these phrases up on the board. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.